Hello, hello. How are you all? Just one quick question before we uh, crack on with this week's episode. Have any of you ventured to the cinema yet? Yes, I have. Um, I was lucky enough to get to a preview screening of Quiet Place 2 this week at Cineworld in Leicester Square on their massive IMAX. It was highly emotional. It was so, so wonderful. And this weekend, I am going to take my kids, not once, but twice, to a couple of little local cinemas near us in Gloucestershire. So I'm very much looking forward to having a, a proper buy a ticket, get your popcorn with my kids this weekend as we venture back into cinemas. So um, hopefully you've done the same, done your bit, supporting cinema and all that kind of thing. Um, also, just wanted to quickly draw your attention to a film that is coming out next week, which will be May the 27th and 28th, uh, whenever you're listening to this. Maybe it's after that, so unfortunate. But if it is before May the 27th and May the 28th, then I want to draw your attention to a film called Never Give In. It is a documentary about uh, Sir Alex Ferguson, uh, of course, who is the most successful football manager in history. Uh, But it's not a film about football. It's not a film about sport. It's a film about the man and it is absolutely brilliant. His son Jason has directed it, which wasn't the original plan. But I think that what Jason has been able to do is get an incredible honesty from his dad about his life. So it's only in cinemas for a limited time, uh, Thursday, Friday, 27th, 28th of May. And then it will be available on Amazon Prime. But if you can and you feel comfortable doing so, please go and watch the film because it's brilliant. I cried four times. I'm not not to encourage you to cry, but it's um it's a brilliant, brilliant experience. So there we go. But anyway, let's get on to our latest guest on soundtracking, shall we? Who is well a supremely talented composer and one of my favourite people to talk to. Returning to the podcast for a third time, as ever. The fabulous Nicholas Bretel services are in high demand. Now, he's been keeping pretty busy, not only has he scored Barry Jenkins' phenomenal new Amazon Prime series, The Underground Railroad, he's also penned the music for Cruella and the upcoming season three of Succession, amongst other things. Now, we'll be discussing all these projects at length shortly, but first, a word from our friends at Cam. Now, it is beginning to feel a little like spring, even though we've just had a kind of weird gale force winds for the past few days. But it does mean that we can start looking forward to brighter, summery days ahead. And after all we've been through, well, I know for me, I feel like my mental health can occasionally still be stuck in winter. So if you are feeling a little bit blue or need a mental reset, it could be the perfect time to give Calm a try. Now, Calm is the number one mental wellness app and gives you the tools to help you improve the way you feel. Clear your head with guided daily meditations, improve your focus with Calm's curated music tracks and drift off to dreamland with Calm's imaginative sleep stories narrated by soothing voices like Stephen Fry and previous guest on the show, Killian Murphy. Now, if you go to calm.com forward slash sound, you'll get a limited time offer, check this out, of 40% off a Calm premium subscription, which includes hundreds of hours of programming with new content added every week. Over 100 million people around the world use Calm to take care of their minds. So why not join them? Sleep more, stress less, live better with Calm. 
So as I said, for listeners of this show, Calm is offering a special limited time promotion of 40% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com forward slash sound. That's C-A-L-M dot com slash sound for 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library. And so to the wonderful Nicholas Pratel and the Underground Railroad. And we'll begin with his cue, Resurrection. good to see you too i was trying to remember when you know my sense of time is so uh distorted i mean i think all of all of us is so distorted but like the last time i saw you was we in london we, yeah, we, 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 we went for a cup of tea to the savoy when was that i i have no ability to remember the so i reckon that was bafta I think it was 20. I think it might have even been 20. 29. No. I think it might have been, right? Wow. Yeah. Well, there, there's anyway. a there's a cup of tea long overdue then. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. I love the studio there, though. I love the on-air sound. Oh, it's it's my, yeah, it's my little, I mean, you know, needs must in this crazy time that we've been in. So, yeah, I feel very lucky I've been able to do um, a load of stuff from here, you know, with with limited Wi-Fi as well, I have to add. But, um, oh, really? Yeah, okay. Yeah. I moved out of London. Had I done that when I saw you? I don't think I had. So I moved out of London. Oh, wow. Um, Gloucestershire, wow. yeah. Um, and, um, I mean, we moved about two months before lockdown, the first lockdown, so it was good timing. Wow, that is yeah. good timing. Yeah, could you imagine yeah. done that at the beginning? I mean, it would have been impossible. Yeah. yeah. How have you been? Have you been Okay. We've been okay. Yeah, we've been, um, you know, as good as I guess is possible. And it's like we, um, we were in New York in the beginning of the pandemic, and that was really intense. We were in our apartment for, I think, almost like three, four months straight, you know, without ever really going outside. And then, um, and then I actually, um, I went to LA with Caitlin. We basically moved out to LA uh, and I was working with Barry out there and we were in like a quarantine pod essentially where we were all getting constantly tested and just, you know, staying quarantined. So we were in LA for about six months. Um, Sunshine. Uh, you know, yeah, it was very different. It was a very different <laughs> thing being in our apartment. Uh, I bet. You know, um, which also, you know, I'm never... I'm I'm a very indoors uh, person, as you know. Like I don't really ever go, but it's a very different experience. Like I'm usually in LA, you know, for a couple of weeks here and there. Yeah. And actually, living in Los Angeles was a very 
different experience, you know, having a little backyard and things yeah. like that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's a completely yeah. different culture, isn't it? In terms of just yeah, life yeah. is very, very different. Yeah. you you're, it's, it, it's so different. It's just physically so different. And yeah. that being said, it was also a very strange time to be in LA too, because, you know, those fires were going on yeah, of course. Up north and then coming south. And so this, there were so many days where actually I remember, we were wearing a mask and then we had even more reasons to wear a mask because the, the air quality was so effective. Oh my God. But listen, good to come out of it though. Um, and I, there's so much to talk to you about. I mean, you, you know, even in this kind of crazy world that we found ourselves in the past 18 months, you kind of, uh, is there so much to talk about in terms of this, what the wonderful work that you've been, you've been doing and I've lucky I've seen three episodes of the um, Underground Railroad. Man, it's so great. You know, I, I think, you know, we I, I adore Barry's storytelling and I was really excited because I read Colson's book prior to knowing that he was he was going to go make it because I, I just was interested to see how he would how he would present it to us, how he would give us the story. And um, I knew it was going to be powerful, but I he does this great thing where, he, you know, that the physical experience that you feel watching the show is extraordinary. It really, really it really is even you know within the first episode really you're you're kind of you're 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 right there with those characters i mean this is a this is a great relationship that you two have you know and and we've talked about it in the past but but talk to me a little bit about the conversations that you had about the underground world because there's a great kind of opening on that first episode this kind of great opening cue or i don't know even how to describe it really but it's it's again it all all these things add to that physical experience you have as it immediately starts it was such a massive um scope of a project and um i mean in some ways i'm still working on it because i'm actually finalizing the the literal soundtrack with barry right now oh wow we're going to release a multi-volume album of it because as you as you as you've already started experiencing, there's a lot of music. Yeah, um, I, you know, there, there's so much in a way to talk about because, you know, for 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 me and Barry, this was obviously our first joint series like this. So yeah, I mean, even you know, even on something, even on a movie, which let's say is ninety to one hundred twenty minutes, we work so uh, deeply, and so on something which is you know basically like ten hours it approximately of length. Uh, I worked on it with Barry for, you know, over 18 months, which is really for us was, was, and, and in so many ways, I think it's the, it's like a furthering of everything that we've done before. It's the, uh, it's the largest scope uh, at times in the series, you know, there's um, very orchestral elements, which for, for us, that was the, the largest orchestra the two of us together had had done. I have, you know, in my own, uh, you know, experience, I have recorded with bigger groups, but this was the biggest that we've ever done together on one of our projects. And it was the unique kind of sound and scope and also the challenge of doing that in COVID was its own set of whole logistical equations. But to your, you know, to your, uh, to your question about how we kind of got started, I had read the book and I'm always fascinated by those first questions that Barry and I discuss because Barry, he has such a brilliant mind and he has such unbelievable instincts for the early starting phase of our projects. And like you and I have talked about before, I think one of the things with Barry is that he's so, um, he has such insights into things from a very early 
phase. And yet at the same time, he's completely open to exploration and experimentation. And we always talk about it together, how we never know where we're going to wind up on a project. Like we, we, you know, so, so it's this, he has this amazing combination of, of, of gifts where he has extreme insight and instinct, and yet at the same time, extreme openness to the process. And, you know, as a composer, that's unbelievably uh, inspirational. It allows for a kind of journey that we, we go on artistically where we're constantly learning things. So on this project, uh, the early phases you know, from the book, I knew of the anachronisms that exist, you know, the magical realism. I recall, and we can talk about this, you know, I recall reading the South Carolina, uh, you know, story and thinking to myself at the time, I didn't, you know, my first thought was, I didn't know there were skyscrapers in the mid 1800s in South Carolina. And then of course there were not skyscrapers. <laughs> so there are these there are yeah. these historical anachronisms, which adds a level of, um, like it puts sort of a, almost like a question mark over things where you, there's a strangeness to things. And I remember early on remarking to myself that I was curious what that would sound like. Yeah. What would be the sound of that? And, and, and that's something that I think is, it, it's a, it's a big question. Uh, what, what, where you go with that. And the, the long sort of version of the answer is basically that um, Barry, the first thing he actually sent me, the first thing he, we really, really talked about was he was on set in Savannah and I received an audio recording, uh, a text message that, that came through from Barry. And it, I, and I, you know, and he doesn't usually send me audio text messages. So I was like, I don't know what this is. So I listened to it. And it literally was the sound of drilling. It was like the sound of a drilling machine. And I had no idea what, you know, I was sort of like, what is this, you know? And, and, uh, did he, did he just butt call me? Is it one of those? I was like, is this, I don't know what this is. Like, literally, is this a mistake? Like, what is this? You know? And, uh, and so I, so, but later in the day, about a couple, two hours, three hours later, I get another text from him and it just says, did you get what I sent? And so immediately I was like, okay, I know what this is. And what, what's, so, what's so fascinating about that is that immediately I started having these ideas because that's just the way Barry is. Like immediately I was like, oh, it's the sound, it's drilling, you know, going into the earth, it's going downward. And so I actually started experimenting with that literal recording. You know, I like dragged it into my computer and, and started playing with it and there were so many things that came out of that. Uh, there were musical things that came out of that. There were uh, inspirational kind of elemental explorations we started doing, the question of sort of these elemental forces things. So that's like earth, let's say, you know, there's also air and then what's in the air and the sound of the cicadas, sound of insects, uh, fire, as you know, if you've seen some of the show, you know, the sound of fire and actually working with Anna Lee, our amazing sound supervisor and, you know, getting some of these incredible recordings that she was creating. So like literally weaving in the sound of fire and cicadas into the music.
what was really something new that Barry and I had never done before, I actually took at one point these recordings of these cicadas and I slowed them down and you could actually hear like the cicada song and because oh, wow. it it's it's so fast you don't hear yeah. it you know it's normal but when you slow it down it actually there are these little melodies and one of them barry and i were like that's pretty cool it's almost <laughs> so like they're communicating with each other it's, exactly it's, yeah. it's like a real there's a whole you know language there clearly and we so i started listening to that and the drilling itself when you slow the drilling down there's this kind of there's obviously a rhythm to it that barry was really drawn to but there's also actually kind of like a strange melody to it too so those were the starting points of just like what do they even say to us what do these things give to us and i started writing music um off of that idea of going downward. And so that's the long way of getting back to the opening piece in, <laughs> in, the, in the show. Um, there was this idea of going downward and I, I started experimenting with a sort of descending chromatic motif that's going downward that you've, you've heard. And it, and it has a sort of rhythmic repetition, a sort of hypnotic repetition, I think. Initially, uh, pre-pandemic, there were a couple sessions where Barry and I got together. Um, and one of them, I remember, was in LA before, you know, I think it was early, I think it was like January 2020. And I wrote a piece with him there, and we called it Pillars. It was this, it was the, they were these sort of like chords that would, that just sort of would fall and sit and then the next one would come up. And inside those chords, there was this descending motif. And that piece, this pillars concept was the basis of what you heard at the very beginning of the show where obviously it went through many iterations as we went on. I put it on strings and then I put it on this incredibly intense tremoloing with the strings and then actually recorded that with a 50 piece string orchestra at air in London. Oh. Yeah. So that's where we did our, um, our orchestra recording was all at air and uh, they had this incredible setup where I would zoom in and then there was a program called audio movers. Uh, I'm sure, you know, you've probably talked to some composers who've used this. They, they would, well, basically they would, they would link uh, the, the mix mixing board you know, obviously to the internet. And it was an almost instantaneous, basically real-time feed. So I'm in LA at, you know, 5 a.m. because we're doing these sessions. And, but with a crazy, so I'd set up the Zoom on a huge screen. And then I had the audio mover set up through my speakers. And it was, it was like I was hearing the boarded air in LA real-time. Which is crazy. It was crazy to me. I never thought that was, you know, because the thing is, you know, delay would make this sort of impossible if you're kind of 
hearing things after the fact. So we were able to do that. And that was one of the almost miraculous things that came out of this period was just the, it would never again be my preference to do this sort of long distance recording. I, I don't, I don't hope to do that often, but um, but it was remarkable what we were able to do because it did give a different perspective on it. I love to conduct the, the music, obviously, and to be there with living, you know, being with the musicians live is one of the greatest joys that comes out of this process. So, you know, that was the one thing we weren't able to do. But that being said, being able to do it in LA long distance and and have it come out the way it did and to be able to hear it like that was remarkable. It's really interesting you talking about the that second episode, the uh, South Carolina episode as well, because it, it almost it for me as well. There are moments where it almost feels like a sci-fi episode in a way, you know, in terms of it's it's got this, and that's what's so clever is that almost each episode is is like it's unknown it, it's feature film in itself because it has differences to the previous, but then there are connections to it. It's so clever, and the music. So many different things going on with the music as well, you know, wherever, whether it's the, this kind of drone where the, with the declaration, you know, when he, when he tries to get the, the, the kids to talk about the declaration and then there's um this gorgeous cue after the line, I'm not supposed to be here. It's just, it's, it's absolutely stunning. And then when we see Ridgeway for the first time, again, it's a different type of sort of sonic sound. It's so clever. Like you don't, I think because I'm paying really close attention to it because I've watched each episode a couple of times, the three that I've seen, but I really kind of tone into it because I want to ask you about it. And it's it's amazing how many different kind of sonic textures there are, I guess, is the best way of maybe putting it. I know. Uh, well, look, I, I appreciate you saying that. I mean, we, I think one of the greatest challenges with with the scope of this project was that it required so many different sonic textures and sonic universes. It was really something where I think it was essential to the work that it evolved that way. Um, One of the central elements of the series is Korra's journey, clearly the central element in a way. And it's a journey that is both physical and uh, and mental. There's it's psychological. It's also there's so there's a there's literal different states that she goes to, and there are figurative different states that she goes to. And I think, you know, for example, on Succession, when I go from one episode to another, the Roy family is still the Roy family, and they're still probably in the same world. They are in the same world when they go from one. You know, that's actually one of the key 
traits of it is that we are with these people like that. With Underground Railroad, every episode, we are going into a different world. And it requires it to sound different. And Barry and I approached it that way, where we actually would say to ourselves that we were making the, it, it felt like we made, I think, I think we said to say it felt like we made about six films, you know, because, <laughs> yeah. because as you go, I think, you know, and you and I have talked about this sort of the architecture, the kind of mapping of ideas, um, you know, early on, you're, you're, you're in so many different worlds as you go through these episodes. And then at, at a certain point, things begin kind of tying back together as well, too. There's a moment I, I remember very clearly working with Barry, I think it was episode eight, where I was writing something new. And I remember Barry saying to me, can't have something new here. It, we have to, it has to tie, you know, he, he has such, again, I'm yeah. so lucky to work with it because he has such amazing instincts on those sorts of things. But, but specifically with those different sonic textures that you talked about, I think, you know, just, just sort of walking through some of them, there's, there's a, I think in particular in the South Carolina episode, there is this almost, you know, fantastical lush orchestral sound which is very on purpose to like i was saying to you know to raise that question of what is this place you know and i don't want to give anything away but i think there is that kind of i think there are different ways to imply question marks like that and strange and and sometimes you know the first idea isn't always the right idea and in this case i mean it was it took a while to figure out what that was i think you know just doing a strange sound on top of something that is strange doesn't necessarily work because you're not learning anything new about what you're seeing then you're yeah, almost yeah, yeah, and when yeah, there's yeah. too close the mapping of what you're hearing and seeing it doesn't add enough complexity and i think with this in particular finding the that kind of orchestral sound over these Im- images felt felt like it had that counterpoint where we were yeah. like oh oh that that and and then it gets us hopefully into Cora's state of mind where she herself is saying what is what is this yeah. place what is happening So that's kind of one universe, but like you brought up, you know, there's there's a more intimate instrumental kind of sound that happens in certain places. For example, um, mm. there's a more, there's obviously diegetic music in the world of the characters. For example, those sofa waltzes. In the the first episode, after that horrific scene that involves fire, and then just the way that the 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 fiddle comes in and the and they go and dance. If there hadn't been that music there, 
it, it would have still worked, obviously, but the, the 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 lightness of that kind of jig and the dancing just makes the event that we've just witnessed even more utterly terrifying and unbelievable. Absolutely. And Barry is so specific with his understanding of every moment, what he's trying to do. Everything is on purpose. You know, every element is crafted and um, every choice is thought out. You know, we, we, we have long conversations about every idea. And I think that's something that, is, that, that as a composer, again, for me, you know, he's such an amazing guide with this, where the scope of this is, is so vast. And having his insights at every moment is, is really the only way I think I could have accomplished it. You know, it's, there, it's, um, it's such a collaboration in that sense. Uh, you know, I think we've talked about this before. I think sometimes people imagine that composers kind of go off and write all this music and bring it to the director and say, you know, here, here you go. Stick here's it on. And here's, <laughs> yeah. and it could not be further from the truth. I mean, this is <laughs> such an immersive process. And actually being with Barry, you know, having, you know, moving to LA for that period of time, uh, Barry and I actually worked more closely and had more literal time together on Underground Railroad than we've ever had in the past on any of the other projects. So it was, it was, and it was required to explore these different universes. I mean, to further what, what, you know, what you were talking about too, with even Ridgeway, for example, there is a kind of level of sonic experimentation in the music as well, where the music almost, especially with Ridgeway, it's almost like non-music. It's music, but it's non-music. It's instruments, but they're playing almost these sort of, it's like a raw kind of abrasive sound. Like Ridgeway doesn't really get theme on purpose, you know? He has this sort of abrasive raw note. Yeah. people see in the show that that, I, that was very conscious on our part and i think that that is its own universe the experimentation some of the pieces i think there's a kind of thing that barry and i have, have really delved into in the past where for example in beale street there's a piece called ye who enter here uh towards the end of the movie um you know when fanny is sculpting and yeah and, is swirling and there's the smoke in the air and that's a piece of music where i think we were really we were trying to get into Fani's state of mind with the swirling of memories and emotions. Thank you. 
that's something in that we took to an even further degree, I think, with Underground Railroad, because Barry will often talk about how what we're trying to do, we're not trying to show you how to feel, I yeah. think. Well, I think what Barry is really trying to do is he's trying to get you to get actually feel those things. Like it's, yeah. it, we're trying to almost like recreate or replicate what the feeling is as opposed to sort of putting the feeling on top of it that makes sense. There's another cue I wanted to mention as well where um, after in episode two where there's the kind of uh, I, I just don't want to give anything away for people right, who haven't watched right. it, obviously. But there's a there's yeah. a kind of there's a there's a big there's a revelation. There's a kind of girl who comes into a situation, you know, very oh, yeah. upset about something, and the kind of it's like coral that kind yes. of comes into to and it's and that again, it's that human sound that almost it's um, terrifying. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you brought that up because that that is actually another element that. That's the first time Barry and I have really incorporated voices into um, into a score, and uh, that the singer in that piece that we call Aria, uh, that's an incredible operatic soprano named Julia Bullock, who um, who recorded that, and uh, and that theme does recur in a, some of the later episodes in various forms, and recording that was was fascinating for me actually too because I had um, I had met Julia actually I'm part of a a, a, a group, sort of a, a collective within the San Francisco Symphony, and I had met Julia, who's also part of this group, and we had we had talked a little bit. And um, when I was trying to brainstorm the the best you know people for this for recording, um, Julia just seemed like she's such an all star. And I reached out to her uh, with the idea of recording this. And she happened, I think she was in Norway at the time. So if you, you know, everything last year was like, the logistics were so beyond. (laughs) I think she was literally in a quarantined in a cabin in the woods of Norway. And she recorded this music, you know, this music. Yeah, she recorded her voice. So, you know, it was this yeah, every you know everything everything we did was safe and and clearly very distanced. <laughs> yeah. you know, incredibly so. Yeah. the kind of um after the first episode you know you have that that the the the, where they're running and and he's almost kind of tripping over himself it's a fantastic piece of acting as the two of them are kind of trying to run across this this open plane um part and then it kind of goes into the the closing credits track which is it is outcast one two one two three yeah it's from nashville 
Professional underground, thunder pounds when I stop the ground. Like a million elephants, a silver back around the you can't stop a train. Who wants up? Don't come unprepared. I'll be there, but when I leave there, better be a household name. Brother man telling us it ain't gonna rain. So now we sit in a brown top soaking wet. In a silk suit, trying not to sweat. Hit some of without the net. But this be the year that we won't forget. One nine, nine, nine. You know what I mean? If you th in terms of this kind of like really sort of like angst sort of driven moment and the build and the end and then it, you know it's kind of like and when you think of Outcast you think hey you know you're kind of like but one thing that he does brilliantly is that his lyrical content almost kind of contradicts the bright shiny sunniness of of the melodies that that he uses and I love that about some of his lyrics and stuff and it's such a clever choice and such a brilliant use. Well, what's so, you know, Barry has amazing, I mean, I know I'm just talking about how incredible Barry's instincts are, but I will talk about that ad infinitum because <laughs> it's so true. Like every, you know, I learned so much working with Barry and I feel that um, in particular with his choices with those needle drops, um, those, you know, on certain projects, Barry's literally even written in some of these things to the script, like Hello Stranger and Moonlight, literally in the script. Um, in this case, that idea of putting these these needle drops on the end credits um, was something that as soon as I kind of saw a draft of this idea early on, I thought it was brilliant because it immediately contextualizes and that's, that's all I'll kind of say. But, but I mean, it's one of those things where these episodes happen. You are in a, a, a world of the past. You are in a, you know, a magical realism world of the past. And then at the end credits, all of a sudden, you aren't there. You know? yeah. and, it, and I think that provides this fascinating kind of juxtaposition. Yeah. Um, listen, before we run out of time, I, I, I hope you don't mind. I wanted to ask you about a couple of other things, if that's all right. Of course. Right. Yeah, of course. You mentioned um, Succession. Yes. And uh, I rewatched just because I wanted to remind myself of the end scene of the last episode of season two. Sure. That last sort of four minutes. And it's so clever because you have a lot of people would have used music through that entire scene to build and build and build. And it's so clever because it's just bookended with this kind of really deep cello at the start and then almost by the end you have it feels like a lighter kind of like almost the weight is totally lifted um again I don't want to spoil this series okay. for anyone well, who hasn't seen it but, but I, <laughs> surely the world has seen season two of Succession by now
but I'm so excited about, I know there's, you know, the, the pandemic and stuff has, has put kind of, um, you know, in terms of the new season and stuff not being felt, I don't know where it is or whatever and stuff, but I'm assuming you're doing it or you've done it or. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I can, so what I can talk about is I've, um, but thank you. I'm, you know, the, the end of, the end of season two, I, you know, I was in awe of that when I first got the cut of that episode, I remember watching the end and just my jaw dropped, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, um, and, and I, I was so inspired by, by what everyone had, had done on that episode. And that was such a, uh, you know, that was just a true joy to, to be able to kind of hope to match the almost, you know, mythological level drama that had that had legitimately been created there i you know it what what he does does with his father there and the that moment is so powerful for for me too watching it um yeah with season three i actually had started working on it you know um before the pandemic and uh we put a pause on that clearly uh as some as so many things um you know had to and actually just as a quick note i mean one of the reasons that we were able to work on underground railroad during the pandemic was because it basically finished right before there were only a couple days left to shoot so just somehow with the timing that was able to get you know yeah. post production um Succession was was not, you know, so so they're shooting that now. That's that is in production, and I am work and I am working on it, and uh, you know, so um, yeah, no, it's ex it's exciting for me. I've loved having the in, you know increased scope, like we're talking about, of of episodic television with the with the real estate, but also it's something new for me getting the ability with each season to think through you know, what's, what do we want to, what commonality do I want, but also what do we want to change? Because I think, you know, the most fun as a composer you have is in trying new things and in, uh, you know, furthering, experimenting with things. So, um, so I'm working right now on kind of what is, what is season three and, uh, and having, yeah, I'm having a lot of fun with it. And Cruella, hello, I can't yes. wait to see this. Oh, I can't wait. It looks so, you know, when when, they, when I heard they were doing it and we saw some pictures and stuff, I had no idea what it was going to be. But from the trailers that we've seen, it looks fantastic. That must have been so much fun. It's an incredible team. I got to tell you, it's an incredible team. Um, the The movie was made with so many stellar artists I got it, you know, and uh, and I had a really interesting kind of musical uh, exploration on that one where um, Craig Gillespie, who directed it, uh, yeah. he, he, you know, I, I don't know how much I can talk about, it, but basically there's a lot of really cool music in the film. And right. what I was trying to do was actually create a score that could enmesh with that in a really cool nice. way. So I ended up very cool kind of, uh, it was a first for me, this kind of like, rock score in a way uh which which, awesome. which is really which is really something fun and i got to you know we recorded it with all vintage gear actually at abbey road and in and in london with these amazing musicians so it's that's a whole you know that's a whole fun you know thing to explore as well
Oh, amazing. I hope we get the chance to chat about that. And then back with Adam again as well on, on Don't Look Up with like pretty much every A-list actor that there is in the world seems to have been. I mean, it's ridiculous. Like Leo, Jennifer Lawrence, Kate Blanchett, Timothy Chalamet, Meryl. I mean, they're all in it. Jonah Hill, Mark Rylands. I mean... It's an extraordinary cast. <laughs> I mean, Adam's such a great filmmaker. I, I love his I love his storytelling and his take on things. So I'm excited. You know, and you guys have got you've got history as well in terms of working together many times. I've started working on that as well. Um, and actually, Adam and I have been talking about that project for quite some time. So uh, so it's 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 definitely exciting to finally get to, you know, really dive into that and actually i'm going to um i'm going to la in a couple weeks to uh to get back in the in 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 the edit suite with with adam and hank Owen, who's editing that's our kind of you know uh that was that they were really you know we've talked about this but they were really the first team where they really brought me into the edit room on the big short and we sat there and we, Hank would always talk about it. It's like we were playing jazz, the three of us together, you know, with trying things. And, and so, uh, so I'm really looking forward to, to going out there and, and, and doing that with them again. Okay, well, please, can we talk about all that, you know, when it's when it gets released and stuff. But but in the meantime, um, I'm, I'm so, you know, I'm so excited to, to watch the rest of the Underground Railroad just to see this, this fantastic journey and relationship that you and Barry have have created and um, it's so great to catch up with you and chat yeah I know I hope we can do it again in person yeah you know hopefully not too far more tea please vicar (laughs) yeah exactly exactly we'll get back we'll we'll have our tea and uh and actually I mean I miss I miss London so much I love I love coming there and uh and you know I so I hope I hope not too far far off. No, I'm not easy. I'm an hour on the train, so give me a shout when you're coming into town and I'm there. I'll bring biscuits too. Um, all right. <laughs> it's lovely to see you. Take care, Nicholas. Lots of love. So good to see you. Thanks so much. Bye. From the score to Underground Railroad, that's A Soldier, rounding off this latest episode of Soundtracking with Nicholas Brattel. My huge thanks to Nicholas for taking the time to talk to us. The Underground Railroad is available to watch in full on Amazon Prime now. Please go and watch it. It is a phenomenal piece of art, an incredible story, and just Barry's vision is exceptional. It's, I think, one of the best things I've seen on screen, I think, in, in a while. Head to edithbowman.com to listen to my two previous conversations with Nicholas and also my chat with the wonderful Barry Jenkins, who was on fine form discussing Moonlight and if Beale Street could talk. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We are at Soundtracking UK. And please do keep sharing our posts among your friends if you like what you hear. We very much rely on your word of mouth recommendation. Next up, really looking forward to sharing this with you. I got very excited about Zack Snyder's Justice League being released, all four hours and two minutes of it. So I was really thrilled to get time to speak to the composer. 
Thomas Holkenberg, aka Junkie XL, who we've had on the podcast before, um, talking about Tomb Raider. But Thomas and I go into incredible detail about the score that he created for Zack's Justice League, which I thought was phenomenal. What a kind of epic experience it was watching that. I hope you, if you haven't watched it yet, then maybe between now and next week's show, you can check it out and join myself and Thomas Holkenberg on next week's episode. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then. <laughs>